This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're going to go back a Pasha. Even though this week's Pasha is Chaisara, we're going to go back to Vayera. Vayera, Vayera, Vayera. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about a very important Rashi. Most people don't learn it because... You, most of us know the Rashi's in the beginning of a parasha, but we don't know the Rashi in the end of the parasha because we never get to the end of the parasha. We, every, every year we start learning the beginning, the beginning, but there's a Rashi <coughs> at the end of the parasha, Lech Lecha, which is very important for every person in this world to know. So it says the following. So Hashem gave a mitzvah to Avram to give a bris milah to... Himself, Yishmael, and everybody else that was there. And it says the following. Avraham was 99 years old, okay, when he was, um, when he mouthed himself, did a to himself. When he was circumcised. Okay? And this bothers Rashi. What does this mean? When he was circumcised. So Rashi says the following. We all know Avraham Avinu was how old? How old was he? 99 years old. Okay? I don't think you want to give yourself a brisk meal when you're 99 years old. Because your hands are a little bit shaky. So Rashi says... The following. Not all Avram Sakin. Avram Avinu took a knife. He wanted to cut. He was scared. Giving a brisk meal to himself, his hands were shaking. He was scared. Why, says Rashi? Because he was very old. Anyone, any girl ever learned this Rashi? Ever see this Rashi? No, right? They don't, they don't teach you this, Rashi. It's at the end of the parasha. It's the second to last passage. So you never saw this, Rashi. This is probably the most important Rashi in the whole Torah. I don't say that easily. So Ramavino's old. He wants to do the bris. Why you miss Yara? He's scared. You're talking about Ramavino here. He's scared. Why Shahayazakin? Because he was old. Ma'asa Kurdish Baruchu. What did Hashem do? He told him to do it, but he doesn't want to do it because he's scared. Shalach Yodai. Hashem sent, whatever this means, Hashem sent his hand. Va'ochaz imo. And he held on. He didn't give Avraham Avinu the bris. Va'ochaz imo. He held on to Avraham's hand so that it should not shake. And then... He did the bris. Now, you really should know this, Rashi, because you all pray in the morning, you all down in chakras. And in chakras, before Az Yashir, we say what? V'charois imo habris. What does that mean? Who's the emo? And he cut, he circumcised with him. Who's the with him? Says Rashi, the with him is Hashem. That's why it says that emo. So here's the question, girls. 
Why did Hashem just do the bris? Abraham Avinu's hands are shaking. He's old. Hashem sends down his hand and he holds on to Abraham Avinu's hand. If you're there already, Hashem, just do the bris. And if Hashem would have done the bris, he would have been healed right away. Right away. He would not have been sick. You know, he sat three days later. He was sick. It was hot. Whatever the whole story. Hashem, you're there already. What are you holding on to his hand for? Just do the bris. So we learn a very important lesson in life. Number one. Sometimes, girls, mitzvahs that we need to do, very challenging for us. It's very challenging. And we don't know how we're going to do it. And we don't know how we're going to keep it. Even Avraham Avinu, who was Avraham Avinu, was challenged. He was, his hands were shaking. He, he, he couldn't do it. Hashem said, that's fine. When you can't do something and your hands are shaking, I will hold your hand. What a lesson. Also, to realize that even Avraham Avinu had challenges he couldn't handle. We have sometimes challenges that are very hard for us. But Akash Baruch Hu says, one thing I want from you. I'm not going to do the bris. I'm going to hold on to your hand. But you got to do the action. You have to take the action. I'm not going to do it for you. And I tell this to girls all the time. I can coach you and I can tell you what you need to do. But the coach doesn't get on the court and play the game. Your life is your life. And if you don't want to listen to me, don't listen to me. That's your choice. So I can hold your hand, not physically, but in an expression. I can hold your hand, but at the end of the day, you got to take the action. And that's what Hashem did for Abraham Avinu. I'm not, I'm not giving you the bris, even though it would be much better if I did it, because Hashem is the perfect surgeon. You got to do the bris, but I'll help you. Th- you got to live life, girls. Hashem says, you got to live life. You got, you got to do what you have to do. I'll help you through it. I'll hold your hand. But I'm not living life for you. It's very, very important, Rashi. First of all, like, okay, if Abraham Avinu was scared, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel so bad right now that I'm scared. Because he was a lot greater than I am. Second of all, I know that if I'm willing to do it and I put my hand out, then it's going to happen. I'll give you an example. Some of you have heard this, some of you have not. I'll give you an example of a situation that happened with me. So, I have this high school called BCA. BCA is a high school for girls who are struggling, really struggling because of trauma and things that happened in their life. The first four or five years of school... We, the girls would come in on Monday, and we really worked very hard with them till Friday, and we really get them to a good place, and then they would go home to their dysfunctional homes, and by the time they came back on Monday, they were drugged up, they were messed up, and we had to start the whole thing again. And I realized after four years that I'm just spinning my wheels. I'm getting them good till Monday. They're coming back on, and they're coming back on, good till Thursday. They're coming back on Monday. I got to start all over again. It was just like the hamster that spins in, you know, in the cage. Like I wasn't getting anywhere. And I realized that the only way to really get these girls to a good place is to open a dorm. If I have a dorm, then they're not going home. And they're not going into dysfunction. And if they're good on Thursday, 
they're going to be even better on Monday. I need a dorm. Where am I getting a dorm for 12, 13, 14 girls? So I went looking and everything was very expensive. And I didn't have the money and I couldn't really find something that worked. Nobody wanted in their house girls like this and whatever. So I was very close to a very big tzaddik in Eretz Yisrael. His name he was a girl, his name was Rav Steinman. He died about four years ago, five years ago. Rav Steinman was a very big girl. And I used to go to him, Erev Yom Kippur, I always went to Eretz Yisrael. And I used to go to him, Erev Yom Kippur, for a bracha. So in the fourth year of my school, I went to, Rav, I went to, to him, to Rav Steinman. I said, Rav Steinman, this is a very important story. I said... I want to buy, I want to build, and I want to buy a dorm for my high school girls. These are girls that are on the street. They're really struggling. I really, the girls want it. I spoke to them. I want it. The school wants it. Maybe, maybe the, the Rosh Hashiva, we call the Rosh Hashiva. Maybe the Rosh Hashiva can give me a bracha that it should happen. This old tzaddik who's like 100 years old looks at me. And he says, and Yiddish, I'll say it in English. Who says Hashem wants such a place? That is not what I expected. That's not why I went to him. I'm like, no, I, I don't think the Rosh Hashiva understands. It's not for me and my kids. It's not, I thought maybe, uh, I'm t- I want to buy a new house. It's not for me and my kids. It's for, Hash- I, I put it in a way that he couldn't back. It's for Hashem's daughters, and they're in the streets. We really want to do this. The Rosh gives me a bracha. I know what's going to happen. He looks at me and says, who said that Hashem wants such a place? I'm like, I can't believe he, he's like cursing me. Like, like I can't, is there, what is he saying? So I try to say it again, and the, the guy who was there was like, the rub understood you, that's the rub's answer, out. I couldn't ask him again. I called up the principal of my school, I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but when I get no dorm. The, the Galador just said, like, he doesn't think Hashem even wants it. It was weird to me. Okay? But I don't give up. So a year later, Erev Yom Kippur, and, and nothing happened. I even had a guy that was giving me $300,000. And I was like, okay, Rav Steinman didn't know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm going to do it. And he didn't understand me. I, you know, you come up with all these excuses where the Rav says what you don't want to hear. And I was like, and Mamish, the last minute, he called me and said... I really wanted to give you the money, I told you, but I got this real estate deal and I need the money, I can't give it to you. So I was like, yeah, don't mess with Rav Steinman. Like, the guttle says it ain't happening, it ain't happening. Okay, I come to Eretz Yisrael, to show you what a guttle is, I come to Eretz Yisrael, Erevium Kippur, the next year. No dorm. And things were getting worse, these girls were like really doing some bad stuff. And I'm sending them home, I know they're going to a dysfunctional home, I know where I'm sending them. I said, Rosh Hashiva, it's getting worse. We really need this place. These girls, are, one of them tried to commit suicide. It was like really bad. I was like, we really need this place. I said, I, I, Kleistral needs this place. The girls need this place. We really need to open, to open this dorm. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time. I'm going to close my school. He looks at me and he says, not only are you going to get this place this year, but the Shekhinah, Hashem, is going to live there with the girls. I was like, now that's a bracha. But I'm a wise guy. 
So I said to him, because I want, what happened? Like, was I, last year I didn't daven well? Like, what happened? So I said, Rosh Hashiva, last year you told me Hashem doesn't want it. And this year you told me Hashem's moving in. What happened? That's what I asked him. Chutzpah. Like, what are you asking? You don't ask a Chutzpah. What happened? Now, Rav Steinman must have seen 5,000 people from Yom Kippur to Yom Kippur all day long. People came for brachas, keep waiting, shiva, everywhere. To show you what a guttle is. He looks at me, and he knew me very well because I came every year, and he says, you want to know the difference between last year and this year? I'll tell you the difference. Last year, you said that you want such a, such a dorm, such a building. Hashem doesn't always give you what you want. Doesn't always give you what you want. This year you said, you need. Hashem always gives you what you need. A year later, he remembered the exact words that I said after seeing thousands of people. God all. He said, this year, you said you need, the girls need. What a daughter from Hashem needs, Hashem gives. What she wants, he doesn't always give what you want. Within three months, a guy came to my to the to see the, the high school, and I told him I need a dorm. I need three hundred thousand dollars. I I found this building, but I had to do a lot of construction. And he said, "I'll give a hundred. And there was a guy with him. He said, "And I'm going to give a hundred. You're not going to give a hundred? The guy said, oh, "Okay, I'll give a hundred. And then my friend Jay Tepper, who had nothing to do with those two guys, he happened to have come to school for a different reason. They said, "Hey, Jay, you're you're Wallstein's best friend." We just gave 200. You're not going to give 100? They said, okay, I'll give 100. Within, within 10 minutes, I had $300,000. And we built a dorm. So what a person needs, a Kershbochu gives you. And, and I'm talking about Shiduchim, and a lot of people get very angry at me because I spoke in a singles group that were in their like, late 30s and 40s. And I said to them, if you want a shidduch, I don't know if you're going to get one. But if you need a shidduch, you'll get it. Because Hashem gives you what you need. So a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to be part of the community. Maybe yes, maybe no. When you say, I need to get married. I, I can't live like this. I need to get married. You get married. They didn't like that I said that. But for a person who needs a kashbaruch, it gives you what you need. You have to really need it. So just one second. So... I brought this girl, she's an older girl, to Rabbi Gamliel, my Rebbe. And she, she's already close to 40. It's not so easy to have children. Um, she needs to get married right away. And she was by Rabbi Gamliel. And she, and she said to Rabbi Gamliel in front of me, she said, I don't understand Hashem. He said, what don't you understand? She said, I'm almost 40. And not many, there's not many more years for me to have children. And doesn't Hashem put a woman on this world to have children? So, so how come... How come I'm still not married? That's what she said. Because isn't that the place of a girl to get married, to have children? So Rabbi Gamliel said, you really, really, you really believe that Hashem put you in this world to have children? Why aren't you married? She said, because I didn't find the right guy. So Rabbi Gamliel says, you know what? I have a perfect shidduch for you. She's like, really? He goes, yep. He's an Israeli. He's sitting in yeshiva. And she, that's not what she's looking. He's, she's 40. He's like 45, right? He's sitting in yeshiva. Um, but I know that he can have children. 
She said, how do you know he can have children? He has four children, and his wife passed away, so we know that he can have children, so we can make the vort tonight. She goes, one second, one second. Who is he? What's his family? Does he make, how does he pay, how does he, how does he, how does he make a living? He goes, uh-uh-uh-uh. You said, you have tainus to Hashem, that you want, a woman's only here to have children. I'm giving you a guy that we know can have children. What's all the other questions about? There should be no other questions. No, that's not what I meant. I mean, I, he's Israeli. I don't speak Hebrew. Rabbi Gimel says, Shalom. You're not just wanting to get married to have children. You've got a lot of other things. Okay, so be honest. Because I can give you a guy tonight. You can get engaged. He'd be very happy to marry a single girl. And he has four children. So that's not someone who needs to have children. That's someone who wants to have children. It's a very big, different mindset. So, in this case, Avram Avinu didn't want to have a bris milah. He needed to have a bris milah, but his hands were shaking. So Hashem said, you need to have a bris milah? You took the knife? You're there already? You just can't do it? You took the action? I'll hold your hand. And there are people that will tell you that I feel that God holds my hand through my whole life. He's always holding my hand. No matter what I do, he's holding my hand. And it's a feeling. But you can't sit at home and say, hey, hold my hand. I'm not going to do anything. You do it, Hashem. Shem will not do anything for you if you don't do it for yourself. And we learned this from this Rashi. What did you want to ask? You have to think about if if what you need is what Hashem what Hashem wants you to need. You know, if you if you need an iPhone, that's not that's not a need. That's not a need. It's a feeling inside. A girl challenged me two nights ago, and she said, "Do you want to help people, or do you need to help people?" Because if you need to help people, it doesn't make you great. It's something you're filling a need, like eating. If you don't need to help people, but you want to help people, that's... I said, let me tell you something. There are times that I don't, I don't even want to help people. Forget about needing it. I just, I just want to be left alone. And those are the times that I have to fight with myself. You know, I want to go to sleep and there's someone like 12 o'clock and I need you, whatever... I really don't want to help anyone at that point. Point. I definitely don't need to help anyone. That's when you have to break yourself and say, if this person needs me, I'm going to help them even though I don't want to. I said, I cannot tell you. People would be very shocked that many times Rabbi Wallerstein does not want to help people. I want to be left alone. But no, it's not. So she said, oh, so then you need... so." It, you, you want to be left alone and you're not being, you, and you're still doing things because you're so needed. You're so needy. I'm like, no. I could go to Florida for a week, turn off my phone, lay in the sun, and be left alone. No problem. And I've done it. I've done it. I've gone away and just turned off. So if, I, if I'm a drug addict, if I'm a helping people addict, then you can't turn off. I'm like, I could turn off. But it was an interesting challenge. Very sharp, very smart girl. Brilliant girl. Brilliant girl. I told her she's either going to die from suicide or she's going to be a superstar. She's not in the middle. 
because she's she's going through a lot of stuff and she's very smart. And she's every word you say, you have to think before you say it. She's very smart and she has super talents. On the other hand, she's very dark. She's 92 pounds and five foot seven and she doesn't eat and she's very dark in a very dark place. And 70% of people are just going to live their life in the middle. But there's 30% of people who are going to be superstars or out of here. And I told her, I said, you're one of them, and I'm going to train you, and I'm going to do whatever I can, spend all the time that you're a superstar, that you don't check out of the world, but just the opposite. You check into the world because you've got what it takes. But she was peppering me. She was after me. And this was like one of her questions. Like She was like, and then we had a whole discussion about Hashem, which was pretty fascinating. You know, she and a lot of girls that are off the derech believe that, that Hashem's Torah and mitzvahs come before you. That as long as you're a good Jewish girl, he loves you. But if you're not a Jewish girl, good Jewish girl, he doesn't love you. And that it's more important to him the Torah and mitzvahs than you yourself. And the same thing with parents. That if my parents really love me and Torah and, mitzvah, and I'm more important, then why do they bother me that I wear pants so I don't keep Shabbos? I'm their daughter. They should accept me the way I am. This is what went on. I was in her house for a long time. So this is what went on. And I said, I blew, her, I blew that out of the water because the bottom line is people feel that way. People feel that, that Hashem loves me only if I do the right thing. But we know the halacha, God's law is that if your life is in danger, you can, you can be over any mitzvah. In other words, if a girl is standing on a roof and she says, I'm going to jump right while I say, unless you buy me a ham and cheese sandwich, we have to buy other ham and cheese. It would be an Avera not to. If, if someone's life is in danger, you have to be Mechal Shabbos. There's no mitzvah in the Torah that Hashem says comes before your life. Your life comes before anything. Even the three cardinal Averas, the um, adultery and, and, and Avay Dezara and Shri Chastamim, if someone puts a gun to your head and says, bow down to Buddha, you have to let him shoot you, Right? The halachi is, if let's say you don't let him shoot you and you bow down, you don't listen, you bow down, halachi is you're not chayev, you're an aynes, because he forced you. You should have let him kill you, but if you were scared, you don't want to lose your life, halachi is, you're not chayev. So there's no mitzvah in the Torah that's more important than you. None. None. Your life, pekuach nefesh, yom kippur. You have to eat on your kippah. You have to take your medicine. Take your medicine. Just the opposite. It's a mitzvah to break the Torah. It's a mitzvah to eat on your kippah. Because there's a mitzvah of the Chaybaham. So I said to this girl, what are you talking about? Our, our Jewish law is based on that you are more important than anything else. And then God could have said, listen, I created you. Your life is in my hands. Your life is not as important as my Torah. No. Hashem says, if you're not feeling well, pick up the phone, call out Salah. You guys gonna get in the ambulance, drive, put on a siren, go through red lights, be Mechal Shabbos a thousand times to save your life. Even if it's a suffix to save your life. The mission in Shabbos says that if a building caves in, and you don't know if there's a person in the building. You don't know. You just saw it caving, you don't know. And you don't know if it's a Jew that's in the building, if there is a person. And you don't know if in the building, the person that's in the building is alive. Because if they're dead... You're not allowed to be Mechal Shabbos for a dead person. So it's called a Sveik, Sveik, Sveika. Three things we don't know. Is there anyone in the building? I don't know. If there is someone, is he Jewish? I don't know. If he's Jewish and he's in the building, is he alive? I don't know. Can you be Mechal Shabbos? 
for three I don't knows. Allah is you have to be. Get into your tractor and pick up all the bricks. And if you have to have a tractor and be Machal Shabbos, you have, you have to be Machal Shabbos. For a sveik, sveik, sveiker. You don't even know if there's someone in the building. That's how important a person's life is to God. What do you want to ask? Today we pass in yes because of Ava. Because if you don't, they'll hate us. So Hatzalah, when Hatzalah first opened up, they would not go to help non-Jewish people. Because while I'm helping a non-Jewish person, another Jewish, a Jewish person might need me. But the, the rabbis paskin that someone gets hit by a car and they're laying on the street and they know that you call out Tzala there in two minutes when you call for a Jew, 9-1 shows up 40 hours later, then you, you had Tzala has to take the call. Because Mishum Eva, you don't want to cause sin, you don't want to cause hatred. But if you have a choice, you can only save one, you have to save the Jew. So we see, and I told this this girl, I said, we see that God is the creator and he says... Every person comes before me. Even if the kid is a day old, you have to be Mechal Shabbos. Even if the person is 100 years old, you have to be Mechal Shabbos. You come before me. She's like, I never thought of that. I'm like, think about it. So when you think that you, all that's important to Hashem is the length of your skirt, or if you keep Shabbos or not, you are the most important thing to Hashem. And your life... You know, they say black lives matter, all lives matter. And you can be Mechal Shabbos for any life. Yes? Um, I don't understand like, where like, the line is, but I understand that like, like, we have a kid to be scared, so you could, you could make up things in your head and be like, well, I'm not going to be happy. Like, I understand your emotional health isn't really important, like, obviously. Like, you have to work on yourself. So, so, so let's talk about... Right, so let's talk, let's talk about relationships. So, so my translation of Ahava, of love, is that my wife wants me to wear a yellow sweater, and I really do not like that sweater, but she loves when I wear that sweater and it makes her happy, then I'm going to wear that yellow sweater. Why? Because real love means that when the other person is happy... That's what makes me happy. When the other person is not happy, that's what makes me miserable. Now, if I came to you today and said the Gal Hadar, Fugadel Hadar, found out, Elio Navi came to them and found out that Gehenim, Gehenim is full. There's no more room for anyone. You could eat a cheeseburger, you could do the worst sin in the world, you could walk around in pants, you could do whatever you want, no punishment. At the same time, Ganeiden is also full. You could be the most sneeze girl, dominant all day, keep mitzvahs, keep Shabbos, you're not getting rewarded. There's no more reward and there's no more punishment. How many girls in this room would change the way they live? And each one of you has to think about that. You mean I can wear pants and no punishment? I can eat a cheeseburger. I don't know if that you have yet to hurt for that. Nope. I can watch a movie, a dirty movie. I can watch the worst thing in the world. I'm not going to get punished. And I can be the best girl in the world. I'm not going to get anything for it. There's no Ganeiden. There's no oil of Haba. I'm getting nothing. How many of you would stay exactly where you are right now? And you have to think about it. It's not like, oh, I would stay. You have to think about it. Wow. No punishment. I would do a couple of things differently. 
No reward? I'm not going to do that anymore. I was doing that because uh, yeah, I went to go to Ganeiden. So I'm going to tell you my answer. My answer is that Rabbi Wallenstein would not change even a teeny bit. Why? Because I don't do mitzvahs for reward. And I don't do mitzvahs, I don't do avayus because I'm scared I'm going to get burnt. I have a relationship with Hashem. That relationship doesn't change because He's going to burn me or He's going to reward me. Hashem is my creator. He gave me ability to see and to smell and to taste and to feel and to hear. And I love Him. And if this is what He wants me to do, we can't say it makes him happy because God's in a different. If this is what he wants me to do as a human being, and this is what makes him happy, so to say, and I love him, I don't care about Ghanaian and Gehenna. I'm not changing a drop because eating a burger is going to make him unhappy. And whatever makes him unhappy makes me unhappy because that's my relationship. And learning Tyra and davening with a minion. Is going to make him happy. So I'm not getting Ganeiden. My Ganeiden is making him happy. Not some world where I'm going to sit in Ganeiden. It's the same thing in relation with parents. the same thing in relation with husband and wife. If, if, if my wife being happy is what makes me happy. And me being happy is what makes my wife being happy. We have a crazy good marriage. It's not an easy place to go, but we have a crazy good marriage. That's love. The rest of it is hallmark, is bluff, is bluff. So who cares if there's reward or punishment? It don't make any difference whatsoever. So if, if Hashem and the Rabbanama, who his messengers say, that wearing my skirt two inches below my knees so that when I sit, it covers my knees, if that's what Hashem wants, how could I be miserable? How could it be a challenge? How could it make me feel uncomfortable? I'm not uncomfortable in my yellow sweater, even though everyone's like, whoa, the sun just walked into the room. Because <laughs> if that's what makes my wife happy, I'm not uncomfortable anymore. So if sneers is something, it's not about some guy looking at you and having evil thoughts, because then you could... Go to an island and not be dressed. Or wear pants. No one can see you. When you're in the bathroom, I don't know, you guys, I was surprised the other girls also, you don't learn Shulchan Aruch. When you're in the bathroom and you're about to take a shower, you have to be wrapped in a towel till you walk into the shower. You can't walk around undressed. Why? There's no guy in the bathroom with you. Who's going to have bad thoughts? Why, can't, why do I have to wear a towel? I'm in the bathroom. Because you're at Snua. Because that's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. Because that's what Hashem said, you're not an animal. So you have to uncover yourself when you're in, under the water and you're in a shower. But until then, you have to be covered. When you, there's halachas about how to go to the bathroom. There's halachas on how to sit on a toilet. That a person has to be covered a certain amount. What do you mean? Who, who's in the bathroom with me? Nobody. But if that's what Hashem says, and that's what Hashem wants, so I love him, therefore that's what I'm going to do. Does it make sense to Rabbi Wallstein putting on my right shoe first and tying my left shoe? That is ridiculous in my head. Like, 
Why would Hashem care what shoe you put on first? Is that going to change the world? Is Trump going to win because I put my right shoe on? Doesn't make any sense. But Hashem said that everything you do, right first. Right sleeve first, right pants first, right shoe first. Tying, since Tefillin is on the left, when you tie your shoe, if you tie your shoe, you tie your left shoe first. Doesn't have to make sense. Does everything my wife tell me to do make sense? Does everything my parents tell me to do make sense? No! Not everything makes sense. But if, if that's what makes them happy, guess what, girls? It makes sense. If I love them. And for some reason, kids can't get that today. It's like, what do my parents care? Why are they telling me what to do? What do you mean? They did everything for you. They do everything for you. So make them happy. Even if it's ridiculous. Unless it's, you know, something that's going to physically or spiritually or, or, or emotionally hurt you. But anything else? Makes them happy that I'm setting the table? Whatever, whatever I'm doing. So that is very, very important. That is the relationship with Akkadah Baruch So, to finish it, so when my parents, I'm Hasidish, and they want me not to have long hair, and they want me to wear my skirt a certain length, and they want me to wear leggings, whatever, not leggings, but uh, pantyhose, that I shouldn't go out with my skin, right? Even though it doesn't make sense to me, because they have pantyhose that's clear, and you don't even know if you're wearing it, so what's the difference? Am I Nishtana? And all kinds of questions. No, 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 no questions. My parents want me to wear pantyhose, because that's what makes my mother happy, because that's the way she was brought up, and I love her, and that's what makes her happy. Wow, that's easy. Isn't that hard? That's easy. She's not making me go to work 40 hours a week to make her happy. She's not making me to support the family to make her happy. So that's what makes my mother happy. And I love her. I really love her. Ma, no problem. No sweat. Ah, you're uncomfortable. You won't be uncomfortable if, if you're doing it to make someone else happy. You're not uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable at 12 o'clock when I get a phone call. It's an emergency. You have to meet my daughter. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm dead tired. When I'm sitting talking to that girl, I'm not uncomfortable. Because I know that's what I need to do to help this person. I'm not sitting there... Well, uncomfortable, but okay, I'll do this. I'm like, no, I'm not uncomfortable. So yeah, there are things in life you have to do that make you uncomfortable, but if it makes someone else happy and it's normal, and it's normal, that's love. Everything else is bluff. Everything else is just words. What do you want to ask? Um, I think I understand this part, like, like what you're saying, that like, if we love Hashem, we do it, but like just from what you were saying before, that like, like, like Hashem's happy No, Hashem's not happy if you're happy. No, Hashem is happy. Hashem knows what really makes you happy. But what if it's not But 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 right. So according to that, even though you're drinking or you whatever you're doing is making you happy, it's it, Hashem is saying no. What you're doing for your neshama, you're you're killing it. You're destroying it. I'll just give you an example. I'm a diabetic. Okay, I'm not allowed to have sugar. I'm a diabetic. I'm not allowed to have sugar. I have to, have, I have to be on a certain diet. Right? I go into my closet this morning. I love chocolate. I'm a chocolate holic. And don't bring me chocolate. But I'm a chocolate holic. Dark chocolate. You know what I love more than chocolate? I love coconut. Do you know what I love really? Coconut in chocolate. It's amazing. I love it. 
It makes me happy. But it's also killing me. So my wife says, Shechaya, you're diabetic and it's killing you. It clogs your heart. It, it goes after your kidneys. It's killing you. But it really makes me happy. I am not doing the right thing and I'm not making my... But, but Estee, you should be happy for me. I just had a whole bar of chocolate full of coconut. I am in heaven. It's like, I'm not happy for you because you're killing yourself. But you're not happy I'm enjoying myself? No, because you're enjoying yourself, but at the same time, you're killing yourself. When Hashem tells you his mitzvahs, he's telling you that for your neshama that I gave you, this is what's good for it. Watching movies, boys, not kosher, not keeping Shabbos, you're having a party, you love it, you're having a party. You're watching movies, you got boyfriends, you're drinking, you're smoking pot, you're like, Hashem, you should be happy for me. It's like Wallstein and his coconut chocolate. I am I'm living, I am having the best time of my life. Hashem says, I know. I'm not happy for you because guess what? You're killing yourself. You're killing the neshama that I gave you. So even, so, so do I want, does my wife want me eating chocolate with coconut? The answer is no. Even though it makes me happy. Does Hashem want you not to be a tznua? The answer is even though it makes me happy. I love looking like this. Hashem says, I, I hear you. But you're killing your neshama. You're going to come back to the next world. Your neshama is dead. And this world's only 80, 90 years and that world is forever. So you know what, Shefullah? I know you enjoy it and I know you think it's good for you. But I'm God, and I'm telling you that my 613 mitzvahs are good for you. Everything out of that is not good for you. Just like the coconut and chocolate is not good for me. I think I'm going to go home right now and have one, but whatever. <laughs> no, but seriously, that's, that's the comparison. So you're right. Hashem, don't you want me to be happy? I want to wear a short skirt. Doesn't, don't you want me? And Hashem is, you're, you're happy, but what's going on, what it's doing to you, I'm not happy. Because you're killing yourself. He, he, he gave you he gave you all these beautiful things he's happy because what you're doing is good for you let's not, let's not use the word happy because the mitzvahs that you're doing are good for you the other stuff that's bad for you is bad for you you're his child you're part of him how could he be happy when you're hurting your neshama you think he could sit there when you're eating something not kosher and be happy of course not you're his child you're part of him you're more than his child you're even closer than that Hashem took part of him and blew him into each one of us. You're part of him. It's like you're a brain cell. And you're, you're cancerous. How could the rest, rest of the brain be happy about the cancerous cell that's in their brain? You're part of that brain. And you're, not, and you're, you're cancerous. You're eating trafe. You're doing, you got other things that you're doing. You're cancerous. So how could the rest of the brain say, well, the cancer cell is getting bigger and it's having a good time. Yeah, it's also killing me. That's what Hashem is. It's not a question of happy. What's good for you? He wants what's good for you. And he tells you what's not good for you. Got it? Good shear. Very good shear. You taped it? Very good shear. Be much sweet, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.